Okay, Bible and Daily Lifers, we are going through the New Testament one chapter a day, and we are in Luke chapter 17. And if you have a red letter Bible like I do, uh, what it has in these particular chapters is Jesus just doing a lot of teaching, a lot of red letters. The red letter edition means that the words of Jesus are in red letters. And so an awful lot of Jesus' teaching. So he's continuing to teach, and in chapter 17, we pick it up with some pretty important stuff that applies to our everyday lives. Chapter 17 of Luke, verse 1. Jesus said to his disciples, things that cause people to stumble are bound to come. But woe to anyone through whom they come. It would be better for them to be thrown into the sea by the millstone tied around their neck than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. So watch yourself. So the little ones in other places, the other gospels expand on uh, this a little bit. The, the little ones seem to be children. And in, in the ancient Middle East, uh, children were seen to be more useful uh, in a utilitarian way rather than just uh, being useful because they're children. And so uh, children, particularly girls or unhealthy boys, when they were born, sometimes they would actually discard them, just leave them on the side of the street. Well, when the church was born and the church began to expand, the Christian people were known to just scoop those babies up. <clears throat> but uh, children were seen differently in the ancient world. It's really the Hebrew scriptures and the Christian scriptures that put value on all human beings because they're made in the image of God, not because of what they could contribute. So in the ancient world, children could contribute. They could contribute to the everyday work. They could contribute to the household, picking up stones, getting wood for fire, um, you know, going down to the market, grabbing water at the well, all those kinds of things. So he seems to be talking about little ones. And here he's saying, be careful that you don't stumble these little ones. If you stumble these little ones, it would be better for you to have a millstone tied around your neck and you'd be cast into the sea. What that means is you'd be dead. You would drown. You know, millstone is a huge stone that they would use to grind uh, wheat and other things. So you would drown. Now, um, stumbling children is uh, taken seriously by Jesus. And we have to say that one of the biggest stumbling blocks probably to Christianity through the ages has been some of the behavior of the church and some of the behavior of its ministers. An awful lot of times if you talk to people about the church, they say, well, what about the Crusades? You know, those religious wars. And well, it's, it's hard to understand. It's hard to explain. And it's somewhat embarrassing. Um, shouldn't have happened. Uh, Jesus wasn't uh, ordaining those wars. Neither was he ordaining one of the biggest uh, scandals of all of church history was what happened in the 20th century when you had all of these priests that were exposed for molesting children. And so Jesus does not take a liking to that at all. What a scar, what a mar on the church. What a what a time for people to just have no confidence, no trust whatsoever in the church because of that. So Jesus said, watch out. Um, you'd be better off to have a millstone tied around your neck than to stumble one of these children. And those children who have been molested, I can tell you that they have, in fact, uh, been suffering greatly emotionally all of their life into their adult life. So Jesus goes on and he says, if your brother or sister sins against you, so somebody doing something wrong against you, well, then rebuke them. Tell them about it. And if they repent, forgive them. If they say, yeah, I'm sorry, you know, forgive me. 
He says, if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. Forgiveness is really important. When you don't forgive, and Jesus said we should be forgiving daily. He, when he taught us to pray, he said, pray this way. You know, our Father which art in heaven, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. So he was encouraging us to pray daily. And in praying daily, we should be praying for forgiveness. Forgiveness for our own sins and forgiving those who've sinned against us. When you don't forgive somebody who's sinned against you, who's it hurting? It's not hurting them. It's hurting you. They, they say that um, not forgiving people is like drinking poison and expecting somebody else to die. They say when you're out for revenge, uh, dig two graves. So forgiveness is important, and it's hard to do. Uh, we need God to help us. That's where we need the power of the Holy Spirit to help us to forgive people, to help us to let go of these things. So um, Jesus said, you need to forgive. And what about these people who keep doing the same thing over and over again? Jesus said, well, you, you know, you need, to, you need to learn to forgive. And it really is for our good. It's kind of an interesting thing that uh, there's even sort of a self-serving aspect to forgiving. But it's good. It's good for the soul. It's good for our mental health. It's good for our witness for the kingdom. <clears throat> it's good to do what Jesus said we should do. Well, when Jesus said that, that you should forgive people and forgive them for up, up to seven times a day, the apostle said to him, Lord, increase our faith. <laughs> exactly. Because that's what we're thinking when I'm sitting here saying, you know, forgive people seven times a day, you know, every couple hours, you know, forgive the same person for the same thing. Well, in order to do that, give us more faith. Help us to help us to be able to do this. This is a this is a hard thing you're commanding us to do, but it's a good thing and it's the right thing. And really, you're the one who will suffer. You will become bitter. It will it'll go into your bones. It will affect you physically. And Jesus said, well, if you had the faith as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and be planted in the sea and it would obey you. So it only takes a little bit of faith, uh, just a little bit, just a momentary faith, just a tiny bit, just a speck of faith, and Jesus will give us his faith. If, if you ask Jesus to help you, Jesus will help you. So Lord, help us to forgive those that we need to forgive because we really need supernatural power. So help us right now, we pray. So uh, read the next passage about doing what we're supposed to be doing. Jesus says, you know, we have duty. We should follow through on that duty and you know, not make a big deal out of it. And it's hard. Uh, duty is hard and duty takes time and you know, duty takes work. So let's just do it. Let's be dutiful people. Verse 11. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled to, on the border between Samaria and the Galilee. And as he's going into the village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and they called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. What's this thing about um, they're standing at a distance? Why are they standing at a distance? Well, because leprosy in the day was seen as being an awful and an awful contagious disease. And so lepers would be quarantined. They would be kept away from people so that they wouldn't be um, transmitting that disease to people. So these lepers, they know about Jesus and they know that Jesus is able to heal. So they actually come to see Jesus. They leave you know, sort of leper colonies, leper villages. They, they would leave those uh, leper establishments and they come and they holler to Jesus. Jesus, have mercy on us. Heal us. Have pity on us. When Jesus saw them, he said, go and show yourself to the priests. And they went and they were cleansed. Now, this is interesting because they asked from a distance for Jesus to heal him. 
and Jesus heals them from a distance. So saying, go to the priest, this would have been in the day the priest would examine them to make sure that the leprosy was gone and would pr pronounce them clean. So it would be pretty much the same as, you know, going, go to the doctor and verify the healing. And then the doctor will send you back into the community, you know, to tell you that you're, you're cured, to tell you that you're healed. And now you can go back into the community. You're not, um, <clears throat> you're not contaminated anymore. And of course, leprosy becomes a picture of sin and, uh, you know, being healed of it, you know, being sent back into the community to be useful again. But this was real leprosy. Uh, they were in a leper colony. Uh, Jesus healed them from afar, and he told them to go and verify that healing. God still heals today. Uh, I like the verified healings. I like the ones that are, in fact, true. They're not sort of, you know, I th th think he healed me. Maybe he healed me. Well, let's go and let's go and find out. Well, this is a bona fide healing. One of them, when he saw he was healed, he went to the priest and the priest sent him back into the community. He came back. He was praising God in a loud voice. And he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. So he's an outsider. He's not part of the Hebrew community. And he comes back. And Jesus asked him, he said, weren't there 10 lepers that were all cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except for this foreigner? Now, this is interesting. Uh, Jesus seems to be likening himself to God here. And, and then he said to him, Rise and go, your faith has made you well. You're healed. You're healed. So the next one, uh, verse 20, we only have just a, few, a minute to really do this. Uh, once, on being asked by the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God would come, when is the kingdom of God coming? And they think it's a political kingdom. Um, Jesus said, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. You see, this whole idea of the word kingdom, the Greek word is basilia, it means the rule of God. Where is the rule of God? Is it in a room? Is it in a church building? Is, is it in a warehouse? Is it in a cathedral? Is it in a classroom? Um, where is it? It's wherever God is ruling and reigning. And when people are gathered together and God is ruling and reigning over their life, well, there's an assembly. And, and, and in that assembly, the kingdom of God is there. It's present. It's in our midst. And so they were looking for, you know, when will the kingdom come? When will you be uh, president of Israel? When will you um, rule again? And so um, then Jesus talks about his coming, his uh, his second coming. So you can read the rest of that there and um, read about his coming again. Really, the whole scripture, the whole book is about one person and two events. Uh, the one person that it's all about is Jesus Christ. The two events are his first coming and his second coming. And so if you read the rest of the verses from verse 22 down to verse 37, it will talk about him coming again. He will come again and set up his eternal kingdom. So um, bless you guys.